Welcome back to Prestigious Minds. This is a bonus episode where Rob and I are going to talk about subjects and topics that we find interesting that we may have lightly touched on whenever we've talked about specific people. So I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of Prestigious Minds. It is a smooth, crisp 6 p.m. on a Friday in July. Nice. And to quench my thirst on this 90 degree Friday is a smoothie, sour ale, strawberry banana with hints of vanilla. And I have to say it's by Boulevard Brewery. It is fantastic. It tastes exactly like a strawberry banana smoothie. Minus the uh, smoothie aspects of a smoothie. Tastes phenomenal. I think Rob even liked it because he tried it. It was good. It is It is a beer that punches way above its its weight class. Oh, like yeah. 6.5% alcohol, and you don't taste it. No. I mean, it is a little sweet. It is on the sweeter side. But then again, it's I think this we're drinking a little bit warmer. You're going to garner more of that flavor. I do think that it's on the sweeter side. I don't think I'd be able to drink a bunch of these in a row. It's very similar to like a very strong flavored beer of any kind, especially heavier beers. But this beer is phenomenal. I highly recommend it if you can get it. We procured this particular brew at our Total Wine. If you have a Total Wine, go to it. It's the best place to get some some craft beers if you don't have something local. If you've never been. If you've never been. Total Wine's pretty good. Tell you my first experience was phenomenal, and I spent an hour just looking at all the selections because I'd never been there. So much so that because so, <laughs> slight segue. I know this is not really a topic of the podcast, but it's hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag not about this podcast. In North Carolina, all of the liquor stores are state-owned ABC stores, so no one can independently sell liquor unless it's a bar and or a distillery. So that set aside, that means our total wines do not have liquor in them, which kind of sucks. Coming from Tennessee, being a Tennessee native, you know, you have liquor stores galore kind of thing. It's kind of what they're known for, moonshine. In Tennessee, the total wines, you can buy liquor in, which is phenomenal. And that was a whole nother experience that was amazing. I digress. This beer is amazing. Highly recommend it. If you like a sour, it's phenomenal. If you don't like sours, I still recommend this beer because it, Rob is not a very yeah, sour. Yeah, I don't like favorite. sours or ghosts or saisons, and um, I feel like this is a really smooth, sweet beer. Like I don't know why it's called a sour. Honestly, it should not be called a sour. I wonder if they put lactose in it. I don't know. Maybe it's really, really weighty, almost in that sense. You know, it has that smoothness. It has that mouthfeel. Rob, what are you, what are you drinking? Oh, I'm just I'm, I'm drinking the the good old standby, the wicked weed, prodigious. Like I said in the last um, bonus episode, I'm not a I don't drink a lot, but when I do, I like to enjoy something. You know, um, either go like an IPA or a stout or porter. I've been kicking the uh, IPAs recently, probably probably within the last couple months. This one's you know seven something percent. It's a little bitter, not too much. I don't like that much bitter, but it's a good all around beer if you want something to, to keep in the fridge for every so often. So I think we should institute a rating system on these beers. What would you rate Pernicious at for you? And this could be anything that you want to be. It could be um, can tabs, glasses, whatever. Float your boat and think it'd be funny, and we'll go from there. I will. I will rate Pernicious like a good four, like a four out of five yeah that's a pretty high score you know it's coming a good off beer. It's, it's really good beer that last one i had we've had to rate that one that that was a hazy hazy ipa by um rogue by rogue yeah 
That one was like, I mean, I like to leave a little room for improvement, but a 4.5. It's probably the best hazy I've had. A 4.5 what? A 4.5, um, <clears throat> get her done out of, uh, you know, five. I would say my last one, which is, I wouldn't say go-to beer for me, since we're going to retroactively rate our beers from the previous bonus episode, since we didn't do that. I would give it, uh, I would give the German chocolate cake a solid, I think, 4.2. Hell yeah, brother. Um, just because it was, it was delicious and, um, a classic stout. And I think it tastes exactly the way I would like it to taste. Now on the smoothie sour, completely different in the spectrum, a little bit lighter, a little bit thicker mouthfeel, really have those fruity strawberry banana notes coming in. Tastes phenomenal. Like if you really want that summer, like rich, sweet beer, this takes a cake and that's out of a can. That's not even off tap. I would rate that for a sour alone, a 4.8 kachigas. Nice. Kachigas, kachigas. I like that. Yeah, flashback childhood. Anyway, we have spent long enough talking about beer. That's not why you're here. Now let's jump into this history of this bonus episode. Rob, what are we talking about today on this episode of Prestigious Minds? I don't know if I can follow that that much Is that a little too much energy? energy? I'm sorry. sorry. Anyway, so today we're going to go... You know, last one we talked a little bit about Carnegie, a little bit, a little bit about um, the labor union. Um, I think today we should probably discuss, kind of go into that, and maybe more of the. Uh, I'm thinking Rockefeller versus Carnegie. Maybe talking about how the the monarchies of old evolved into the robber barons of new in this context, historical context. That sounds good to me, Rob. Why don't you uh, give us a little synopsis, summary, whatever term you want to yeah, use we'll do a little riffing um how about we do some carnegie versus rockefeller so i like to draw some conclusions from our last podcast of how carnegie would you know we painted him in a nice good light not too much bad to say same with rockefeller they seem like genuinely good guys granted they were multi-millionaires and honestly if you look in the look in as inflation is concerned billionaires but you know, they gave a lot of their wealth away, and they were they were more concerned in their later lives with how they were s- spending their time with their families and such like that. But if you philanthropy, philanthropy, yeah, there was it was a large portion of their later life, right? And this is something we touched on on our final installment on Carnegie, but I just feel like it's worth mentioning in this context. A lot of people seem to have this like easy, like straightforward idea that, oh, well, of course they got older, they couldn't really do them as much. And so they were like, I feel bad for being a terrible person or stealing money from the, the poor people to get rich and I'm going to give it all away. That's not, that's not entirely true. And I wouldn't say that they stole their money entirely. That, that's the thing. Back then you didn't steal money from, from anyone because people were moving from farms to industrialization. You know, yeah, like there was so much, there's so much growth to be had. I mean, it was the wild west of industrialization, literally, because so many things have not been invented yet. So many fields have not been explored. I mean, you're talking the petroleum industry, the steel industry, those things were, there was no competition for those at the time. Yeah, and what little competition there was, it was very fractious. I mean, you see, you see that very much today in certain technologies with uh, software and uh, look at the space like race. hardware. Yeah, the space. Well, 
Eh, that's a little I mean, different, it, but I mean, if, if you talk about like privatization of of space, no one's thinking, oh well, why don't the, why don't they let the little guy make some money on space? Like, how can you do that without billions of dollars? Maybe this is a good point to maybe add a different twist to the the way you should think about it. Like, maybe back then, oil, no one knew what to do with it. No one, I mean, everyone knew it was flammable, but I mean, no one was like, oh, I have something to use it. Cars weren't a thing. Yeah. Steam engine was all the rage. Well, it's so. harder to transport than coal because it leaks. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true until they came up with steel tanker cars. Well, that's true. You're right. But, I mean, initially you're thinking, oh, it's it's sludge that if we put a lot of process to it, it's it'll burn. What are we going to do? I mean, they replaced, what, initially they replaced whale oil with, with uh, oil, right? Yeah, Lamp yeah. Oil? So, whale fat, like physical whale, the animal, not, not the wool whales on the ground. They replaced that so that most people could light their homes, which is very fascinating to think about that, you know, you had candlelight or you had whale fat. Whale fat became so expensive that no one could really afford it except for the uber wealthy and the elite. This was a way that they could light their yeah, homes. I mean, kerosene kind of... Kerosene kind of, was the clean burning fuel. That's what it was marketed as. Like, yeah, it, uh, br- it brought light to the masses, right? It did. Them in the masses. Yeah, yeah. And and it burned brighter than, uh, shall I say, cotton wicks and wax. It's a lot easier to read a book whenever you can see what you're reading. It's very true. Easier on the eyes. Also, I wonder, so this is just a fascinating thought that just popped in my mind, but when electricity came along and we didn't really have a proper way to insulate wires, they used asbestos and cotton insulation if anything short out, that caught fire eventually, right? Kind of quick. And house fires are still somewhat common. I mean, they're not uncommon today. I mean, a whole lot less common. But how many houses caught fire and burned to the ground due to kerosene lamps? You know, I would say even though it was it cost less than your organic oils or your whale oils, it was probably still prohibitive, prohibitively expensive just to be careless about it. So I doubt it was it caused that many. I would think. I would think that a lot of people probably took. And you only care used it, it before you went to bed. I mean, hell, you got up when the rooster crowed. So right. I mean, that's just you know, that, just to think about that. What kerosene kind of did for the masses is you could now you could read after dark. When were you done working after dark? How many people had the luxury to not work when you could actually read? You know what I mean? I know you had candlelight, you had organic oils to light lanterns, but I wonder what kerosene did for the education of America. I think that's a fascinating question. I haven't really thought about that. All, all these innovations that we've talked about so far have honestly benefited the American people more than more than they benefited the family, that like, like Carnegie's family or, or Rockefeller's family. The inventions... The low cost. I mean, you have to think, if you're thinking of it from the consumer side, it's like, I need to build something. Well, steel's now way cheaper. Oil's now way cheaper. Transportation, now cheaper. I mean, with with the cheap oil, soon comes cheap transportation that uses oil, a.k.a. Henry Ford's Model T. Whoa, 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 whoa. Can't be giving them too many hits on the future. Yeah, well, you know. Anyway. um, You can kind of see where this leads. Honestly, that's been an argument between wages, you know, the wage and the cost of products. If you look in the past, things cost way less, but there was not a lot of innovation. Now, if you want to talk about wages, you know, the stagnation of wages, not to get too political, but the stagnation of wages, it's pretty stagnant. The divide between the up and upper and the lower is growing, but we have iPhones now. We have all the, all the information we could, more than we could ever digest in a lifetime. Are we trading monetary gains with informational gains? 
Wow. That is a mind-blowing proposition. I actually was listening to a uh, billionaire on YouTube the other day. had like a, a short snippet of one of his uh, talks out in Montana. He was investing in a data center, and he was talking about the, the preliminaries before that. There was a few things he mentioned. He was like, okay, it's like, who made money during the gold rush? Majority of people that were out there mining for gold didn't really find much that was, made them super, super rich. It was the people that were providing the picks, the shovels, and the... Uh, Blue jeans. The infrastructure. That made all the money. Bukus of money. It was the people supplying the rushes. And then you think of oil. It's like, well, who made all the oil? Well, Rockefeller didn't go drill for oil. Who knew? Who knew where to find oil? He didn't invest in that. What he invested in was, I'm going to make sure that anyone who has oil has to direct it through my refineries in order to sell it. It's the same idea in a different way. Now you're in the modern age of information and, and data collection. This has kind of like been an argument and in a lot of things is oil, the new oil per se, is data. It isn't just because people care about what you do. People, honestly, I don't think give any hoots about what any one particular person is doing. At no a one given really month. cares what you buy at Walmart. But... Companies, if you're given enough of that data, can create statistics to predict what you are willing to spend your money on and what you're looking for and to place strategically place those ads in front of you. Now, that's a very high level, but if we dive a little bit deeper into that to kind of understand what's going on here is social media doesn't make money from existing. Like it's a free platform. They make money from ads, which is a large portion of the revenue. How'd they, how'd they get rich and powerful to begin with? Because they had a free data collection of information on consumers. They had basically all the studies that companies used to have to pay for. They were inadvertently conducting by just having people use their platform. Well, I mean, if you look at... See, this is the... This is the kind of you got to be careful with this conversation because that's true. You can you definitely have uh, feedback loops with data collection and advertising. So why did all the like all the cereal companies become popular? Why did all the soda companies become popular at the same time? If you collect data on what people are buying at a certain time, you're going to promote something similar to that because they're going to buy. You think they're going to buy something that's very similar to that. I would I would assume. I wonder how many of these technologies are actually creating a feedback loop, feedback loop of similar consumerism. I don't know, but that sounds like another conversation. I'm sorry, I opened the <laughs> can of worms on that one. Well, yeah, that that could be that could be a long time. That's probably smarter people than I have talked about this. I'm sure, but it's just something to think about, and and kind of like you see with Rockefeller's oil boom or uh, Carnegie's steel. Like you're going to see all these industries kind of needing each other. I mean, you can't really. It's hard to advertise steel to the consumer. Because, you know, they don't really have a use for it at the moment. Well, I don't know. I, I agree it wouldn't be marketed directly to a individual consumer. But you have multitudes of small businesses that could take advantage of steel production and yeah, steel I mean, innovation. If you look at oil, I mean, we've all heard the classic argument of, you know, Tesla's energy versus slash, or slash the electric car back in the early um 20th century or the internal combustion engine you know there's two histories that could have been made in america we either went with the internal combustion engine or revolutionized electric technology we, we of course picked the former it kind of makes you think like why did we pick internal combustion at the time not to die not to go too far into maybe a possible future episode but just kind of makes you think like what drove like did the oil industry drive the internal combustion engine or get rid of the ideas of like electric cars what like what went on with it 
I want to take a quick break to thank you for listening to this episode of Prestigious Minds. I hope that you are enjoying it. Also, I would like to ask if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or anywhere you listen, and let us know what you think of the show and maybe any future topics or people that you would like us to cover here. Also, don't forget that you can find us on Instagram at pmindspod, where you'll also get a visual representation, not just the audio, of what we talk about here. Now back to the show. I don't know, and I think that would be something that we would talk about in a separate episode about maybe automobile or more more broadly energy production as a whole. Because yeah, electric cars were being invented at around that time, and so steam cars were a thing. I mean, they were a little bit bulky because they had a huge water yeah. tank, but but they were still relatively sized. Like it wasn't driving a train down the road. It was it still wasn't un, it was unimaginable to drive. A it wasn't car. ungodly. Yeah. Right. Anyway, to dive back more into uh, the topic of this situation, which, you know, it's all fine that we veer off topic every now and then. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of this episode, be a little bit more in depth and conversational. And maybe we can take a broader look into uh, a topic that Rob has labeled monarchy or robber baron. And this is your new game show host, <laughs> Jeremiah DeWitt. And I am joined with our first contestant named Rob Watson. Well, now let's determine whether he's monarchy or robber baron. All jokes aside, here we go. If we talk about our early industrial fellows in the uh, 19th century, um, we should we we see uh, aside from their good achievements or bad achievements, whatever, we we notice an accumulation of wealth more so than anyone else. Like there's there there's rich people now, but there were no rich people then. If you talk percentage wise, how do you justify someone becoming so rich? It's incomprehend incomprehensible. What people well, I think it's so hard to imagine. Even the richest people today are not as rich as those people were back then in context. Right, because we're, like, as far as technology is concerned, we are closer to the Elon Musk, the Jeff Bezos. They still use a similar technology, right? Right, than than someone that was living in a, you know, a dirt floor house was to Carnegie. Who had, you know, a fully pretty modern house, probably had, you know, full functioning indoor plumbing, had a heating system. A steam system where you probably had coal in the basement to heat that water. You had a brick, fancy facades all over the house, or a facade of the house, and ornate ornamentation. No, Ver- not, to, not to mention the access to like medical care that most people didn't have, and food most people didn't have, and transportation most people didn't have. It's very interesting. So I think it's the place in history along with technology because at the time before cars were even invented, everyone used horse and buggy and no one was excluded from that. The only difference is you probably had a really nice riding carriage. Or you could afford it. Or train, which was probably even more popular because train was more direct and faster. You had you could probably rent an entire sleeping car to yourself and your family, whatever. So I do think it's fascinating because it's like they, today you can jump on any internet store and buy coconuts, just for say. Back then, those same people could procure coconuts probably whenever they wanted. Granted, take a little bit longer. It went through the internet, but they could. You know who couldn't? The average Joe Blow. So that kind of leads me into the question, like, when has that happened before in history? I think the the answer is when every other monarchy's 
ever been in power. I think during the industrialization, you see a lot of these these powers, kind of this consolidation of power and and wealth, kind of form similar to monarchies. I mean, you have, of course, the federal government who resisted some of these changes. Some of them, they you know, the politicians were okay with it, but I think that's inherently at this time why you had people railing against big businesses because they they understood how monarchies worked. They still did. They they at least heard stories from a hundred years prior. Yeah, like their grandparents lived in, in a generation that still kind of knew the strife between the U.S. and Britain. Yeah, and the, and the labor, labor movement in Europe and in America was kind of the peasants' revolt of sorts because they saw where it was going. Now, this is not to paint uh, every union in perfect light, but you kind of see this is where iron would sharpen iron, you would think is when you had two opposing forces against each other trying to keep each other in balance. Cuz if you, you know, if you don't have equilibrium, if you get rid of the if you get rid of unions, you have corporations take over completely if you have, you know, only la- union labor or union labor is in complete power, you see things go down the uh, Soviet path. I think this comes from understanding that no one is perfect, no system is perfect. It is fascinating, though, that you think this consolidation of power doesn't really ever consist on a private scale of a monarchy until the capitalism, I say capitalism very uh, loosely. Industrialized. Yeah, yeah. In modern sense where if you were able to read a book, then you were afforded a huge opportunity and an advantage. And advantage in general. And I think that's also something else. Is like education wasn't a very strong point. Home education was. I do believe that a lot of people back then were smarter than what we think they were today. They didn't spend as much time in school, surprisingly enough. I mean, I mean, if you look at colleges, it wasn't necessarily for someone who graduated high school. It was for someone who missed high school in, in a lot of cases. Or who, who had very little education. It was to get them up to speed. Yeah, and then a lot of those were called like technology institutes. Yeah. Be latest on the latest science, medical research. Really, colleges, you know, I think had three main purposes back then was, you know, learning the modern trades, learning the latest uh, medical procedures and in, in, in research. And the latter was the classic arts, you know, literature and your yeah. classical You're version right. of education. Yeah. You know, well-read, art. Aristocratic, yeah, type uh, type endeavors, which is what most of it used to be. You used to be able to speak a few different languages. You could interpret many variations of art and poetry. They're very cultured. Yeah, that's, it, that's almost where you can consider monarchies just evolving into high society, as we call it, or as they called it back in the twentieth uh, century. Yeah, because it was a luxury, and yeah. even today. Being able to go to college for such a thing is also, I would say, a luxury. If you're going to that and you don't have to worry about actually using it for a career, but well, that that's a that's a can of worms. Uh, yeah, we're not going to dive into that. It's it's just fascinating to think that it's never really changed from that. You know? Yeah, we're afforded many luxuries in this country, and of course, there's some problems here and there. But uh, I mean, if you honestly want to talk about the American exceptionalism, that's that's one of them. We can use our money and our income and in any way possible as far as like college is concerned we can learn anything we want to is some of it kind of not as advantageous as others maybe but i think that even though some people make fun of someone having an art degree or a music degree i mean that's all well and fine but if you look at third world countries you don't have an option to get any degree i mean your degree is like surviving that's your education like you you can go get water you can light a fire like here we're allowed to waste money on whatever we want 
I think it'd be a bit far to say that that's wasting money. I do think it's important. I do think learning the arts is an important thing to culture, but and I think some people, you know, kind of joke about it or they short sell it, but no, it's it's important to our our uh, culture, our future culture, and how things are perceived uh, in the future about the past. But it's just it's kind of interesting how how things are evolving yet staying the same. And if just to go back to an earlier point and how we talked about how the people who supplied the ways to do things like the blue jean selling, you know, selling blue jeans to the, uh, the miners or the, uh, the prospectors was the way to make money. I wonder what making money in the future will be with the space race going on. I'm wondering if it's going to be transportation to bold new worlds, seeking life or, or materials from learn how to grow plants in outer space. Right. I mean, you're talking logistics, blue origin and SpaceX has, the a heads up on the logistical aspect of getting in space. And I think it's going to be far out there, but I think that's going to be important in the future. We're going to be mining asteroids. That's what we're going to be doing. So we're getting off into the video game territory here, I see. Yeah, well. <laughs> okay, so I have... Only, only, uh, only where but up, right? Hey. Now, this brings me to a very important question I brought up earlier in the podcast. Um, we have to answer. Is Carnegie... A monarch or a robber baron? Or, because robber baron, I think, has a very negative connotation, is he a well-intended philanthropist? I think he is. I don't think he, uh, you know, fun fact, I don't think he's either a, a monarchist or a robber baron. I think he's someone who had many opportunities afforded, afforded him in the face of adversity, and I think he used all those opportunities to his fullest, to its fullest. Would you say the same thing for Rockefeller? I think I would for both of those. Now, in a future podcast, uh, we may be going into into more people, but more people that that are less um, I don't know, less philanthropic, more greedy. But we'll have to we'll have to see. Yeah, we brought to you the 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 easy listening, the easy going people first. But nonetheless, let's draw this uh, second bonus episode to a close. Rob, if you want to take us out on this episode, don't forget to. Uh, Leave reviews. You know, five stars is always appreciated. And uh, you can listen to us anywhere that you get your podcasts. Specifically and, uh, on Apple Podcasts. Sp- yeah. Largest per streaming platform for podcasts. We don't have a lot of reviews. And we would love to read your reviews here on the show. So yep. very much appreciate if you go there and leave us a review. And Any uh, five-star review that's left, we will try to find the best one and read it. Especially if it's funny. Yeah. Why don't, why don't we add a little bit more comedy to it? But yeah. anyway, Rob, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Continue. Nope. Uh, uh as always, this has been uh, the uh, Prestigious Minds podcast. Bonus episode number two. Uh, this has been Rob Watson and Jeremiah DeWitt. Yep. And we'll see you next time on Prestigious, Prestigious Minds. Minds podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Prestigious Minds. That concludes today's episode. If you've enjoyed the show, let us know how we can improve by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at PMindsPod and go give us a follow over there where we discuss and share photographs, videos, and anything visual related to the podcast. And thank you for listening to Prestigious Minds. <laughs>